Sutra Pitaka, basket of discourse, is one of the most important sources for understanding the Dharma and spiritual development. It contains hundreds of discourses that covers wide range of topics that is relevant to our daily life in this modern time. Sutta Pitaka covers the vibrant, dynamic, and circle-crossing cultural currents that characterize the life of the Buddha. Through such vivid exploration, the Buddha's teachings are delivered for the betterment of sentient beings and the beautiful fruits of Buddhist practice can be tested not only in the future, but also the present. By that, what I mean, I am going to introduce you, or to be precise, I am going to study with you some of the most important sutras. Of course, later I will explain to you what are the sutras and what are our main sources for our reference. But the start is Buddhist. When we talk about Buddhist, it is so natural we must think Buddha, right? Without Buddha, probably we will not uh, have a Buddhist. So, as a religious founder, the Buddha did not claim to be a divinely inspired prophet or a personal severe or a deity incarnated in flesh. Within the framework of his teaching, the Dharma, his special role is that of a teacher, the supreme teacher who reveals the unique path to the final deliverance. Of course, we will be learning the detail about what we mean by the term Dharma and what we mean by final deliverance. But for the time being, we know we, as Buddhists, we consider Buddha as our teacher and also as the ideal of our life's goal. That is to say, we want, we practice in order one day to achieve, to attain Buddhahood. In other words, to become a Buddha ourselves. Okay, with that in our mind, I would like to introduce you some of the historical background of the Buddha. The Buddha, or if we look it a little deeper, we know before he became Buddha, he was known as Siddhartha Gautama who became the Buddha, the enlightened one, may have lived from about 563 to 483 before Common Era. And I would like to remind you some of our homework. And for example, what I have just mentioned, the date, the year, 563 to 483. 
before common era. He belonged to the Sakya clan, dwelling on the age of Himalayas, his actual birthplace being a few miles north of the present-day Indian border in Nepal. His father, Sudodana, was in fact an elected chief of the clan rather than the king he was later made out to be. Though his title was Raja, a term which only partly corresponds to our word king. Some of the states of North India at that time were kingdoms and others republics, and the Sakya Republic was subject to the powerful king of neighboring Kosala, which lay to the south. I know I have uh, read out some of the terms like Himalaya and Kosala and, uh, you know, uh, his uh, father's name, Sududana. Don't worry about these terms. And I will highlight uh, the important points towards the end of each of our recording. Disentangling the probable facts from the mass of legend Surrounding Gautama's life, we continue our uh, study of the historical Buddha. We may assume the following facts, at least approximately correct. Though brought up to a life of luxury, the young prince, remember his name? Siddhartha Gautama, right? The prince Siddhartha. The young prince was over by a sense of essentially sorrowful aspects of life. And he decided to seek the cause and cure of this state, which he termed Dukkha. Okay, remember Dukkha. This is something very important to our study, and almost we can consider this as the core teaching of the Buddha. We will be discussing this and introducing more uh, courses, uh, I mean, uh, sutras to you. But for the time being, just notice the uh, note this down, dukkha, dukkha. So uh, familiar arise uh, ourselves with these terms gradually. So, okay. At the age of twenty-nine some numbers. At the age of 29, the prince, the young prince, he renounced the world, going forth from the household life into homelessness in accordance with an already well-established tradition, thus joining the ranks of the wandering ascetics. He went successively to two teachers, Anara Kalama and Uttaka Ramaputta, who taught him how to attend to higher meditative states. Realizing, however, that even the attainment of this state did not solve his problem, 
his problem, but what was his problem? Remember? Dukkha. Dukkha. Of course, we are yet to know what the definition, exact contents of Dukkha the Buddha explains. But just remember, these two teachers, the teaching he receives from these two teachers was not sufficient to solve his problem. So that even the attainment of these states did not solve his problem, Gautama went off on his own and practiced severe austerities for six years. So six years of severe austerities, gathering a little group of five ascetics around him, however, finding that even the most extreme forms of ascetism likewise did not lead to the goal. He forms of ascetism likewise, I'm sorry, he abandoned, he abandoned, I'm drafting some lines here, he abandoned this excesses and sat down at the foot of a tree by the river Niranjara at the place now known as Buddhagaya, determined not to arise from this spot until enlightenment should dawn. During that night, he passed beyond the meditative stages he had previously reached and attained to complete liberation as the Buddha, the enlightened or awakened one. He spent the remaining 45 years of his life wandering up and down the Ganges Valley, expounding the doctrine that he had found and establishing the Sangha or order of Buddhist monks and nuns which still exist today. Now we are going to have some sort of sum up. Now we know Buddha. And we know after his enlightenment, he teaches for many, many years. How many years? 45 years. And his teaching is known as Dharma. And his students, the monastics, the monks following him, they are known collectively as Sangha. And this is known in Buddhist terms as the Three Jewels. Okay, now we know, generally speaking, when we speak about Buddhism, we speak collectively Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Like I'm sorry to be rather repetitive. No worry about the terms. We will come and explain them again and again. Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. Like we mentioned in the very beginning, that as a religious founder, the Buddha did not claim to be a divine inspired prophet, a personal surveyor, or a deity incarnated in flesh. 
He is a teacher and a historical figure. Okay, so this is very, very important for Buddhist belief, for Buddhist faith. Now, we know Buddha, we know Dharma, we know Sangha, of course, we are yet to know the detail. Let us ask a question. Hmm. Why must we follow his teaching? Why must we spend time to learn his teaching? Why? What is the reason or what are the reasons for you? I mean, I can also ask myself to follow the teaching of the Buddha. Why must we learn from the Buddha? And why must we study his teaching? Well, probably we need to go back to see before his enlightenment. Remember, he had a problem. He had a problem. What is that problem? Dukkha. Remember this? We did not explain what Dukkha is. So he had that problem. So he went from uh, household life to homelessness. And after six years of practice, severe austerities, he did not find the answer. And also he studied under two teachers for various kinds of meditative practice. And he did not find the solution to his problem. But only when he went under the tree, of course the tree is not the key, okay? Through his endeavor, he find the solution and finally became enlightened. So, we need to think, seriously to think, do we have this problem? Do we have dukkha? Or we don't know, because we don't know what is dukkha in Buddhist terms. Okay, so the question we are asking, we have asked everyone, including myself, to think, do we, should or should we not, to think about following the teaching of the Buddha? That means, does it really necessary? Do we have the problem? Do we have dukkha? Right? Okay, this is the formula, what we call the Four Noble Truths. First, we can have an end. The, the, the suffering, the problem is there, and we know for sure the Buddha has solved the problem. So, the, the, here, cessation of suffering. But how did he successfully end the suffering? Because there is the way leading to the cessation. Leading to the cessation of the dukkha, find the origin of suffering and apply necessary methods and develop skills so the suffering, uh, suffering will be eradicated. Do we want that to happen to our life too? Do we want to live a life 
without suffering, I mean without dukkha. Because here we translate this as suffering. Do we want to have a life with no suffering? Yeah, probably, yes. Why not? But what the contents about suffering? When Buddhism speaks about suffering, we must know the detail. The Buddhist definition of suffering of dukkha. And that's something we are going to study. Okay, that marks the end of the first segment of week one, 2021 Buddhist discourse. Please come back.